Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Revelation. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. This morning, we're looking at the martyr church that still has life. And the whole idea of going through the churches and the, the series of uh, the seven churches, the letters to the churches uh, in Revelation was really because I think in the day and age in which we live that we want to be cautious as our leaders ourselves want to be cautious on what we're going through, what, what's happening in the church today. There's a big drift, a big pull. There's a lot of influence. Where are we? You know, where's Calvary Chapel Longview at? And I think it's important that we look at these things. But at the same token, you'll get those who are kind of online shopping for churches. that they, They're looking for truth. And they might not even attend church. They want to know what church is about. You know, what's happening in the churches. And, and as I mentioned, that these letters will not only... Are they perfect for the letters in John's day that Jesus would have had him write? They're for the churches. They would be passed around there, not just for these seven churches. But they're also there because uh, they're, they're for all the church of that time. And they, they also teach a, a period of church history. We, we've gone from the apostolic uh, age, from the church of Ephesus, to now we're in the martyr church, which would cover the up to about 320 or so uh, AD. But there's areas, and also it speaks to the church today. I think there's several churches, as we'll see in our letters, uh, how they operate, what's going on in them, and what you're to look for. How do we look at things when we look at a church? And so the letters here are very important. They're important from Jesus's point of view because he's the author. We looked at that in, in, in uh, week one. But he has something to say. Now, remember the church of Ephesus. He's the one walking around the midst of the church, right? He's the one. And we're not worried about, I mean, I love people. I love the people sitting in the congregation. But my concern is that we're blessing the Lord. <laughs> because, you know, you, you want to bless one person or do what, you know, a group wants or that group wants. You're going to be in a lot of trouble, right? You're going to be in a lot of trouble. because You can't please everyone. So when the focus should be pleasing the Lord. So Jesus walks around the church and he has, you know, he's looking to see what's going on. He has the candlesticks and, and he's looking at the church of Ephesus. And I'll tell you what, after last week's message on the church of Ephesus, leaving their first love, I was really, really ministered to my heart. And I'm still looking at things in my life as to where, where am I at? And I, I had a uh, an opportunity to drive down to Portland a couple of times this week, Vancouver once, Portland another time. And the whole way down, it just seems like I'm really aware that, Lord, I want that first love. I want that giddiness. I want that, you know, in my life. And, and just praying the whole time, praying for others. And it really found that the more of the awareness of where I'm at. So hopefully it ministered to you as well. And now we come to the point to the martyr church. Uh, nobody wants to sign up to go to that church. I mean, there, you know, it's just, but it is, it's the martyr church. And, and it's a church that Jesus identifies with very well, doesn't he? Because of things that he's gone through, the rejection that he's had. But he identifies with that church and he wants them to know what he feels about them and how he feels about what they're going through. 
So let's look at, at verse one, he, or verse eight, excuse me. The city itself, look at, because they're the recipients of this letter. He has them on mind, in mind when he's t- telling John to write. And so he says to the angel, uh, or the messenger, the pastor of the church in Smyrna, right? And now Smyrna is about 40, 30, 40 miles or so north of Ephesus. I think there's a map that we may have up there. And it's currently there, and it's known as Izmir. So you'll see these letters being uh, uh, written to, and we'll be studying them. So what's interesting is the city of Smyrna still exists today. Unlike Ephesus, both the church and the city are no longer there. And the interesting thing about the, the church of Ephesus and here the church of Smyrna, because it tells me that even though the church of Smyrna, that they were persecuted, they still exist. So it tells me that you can leave your first love and lose your testimony as in Ephesus, but you can lose your life for Christ's sake and live forevermore. See, we're, we may be persecuted or the church at times may go through times of persecution, but listen, this world, we're just passing through. I don't know if we're trying to build bank accounts or build, you know, popularity on, on uh, Facebook or whatever, you know. But, but the idea is we want to get out of here with as many people that want to come to Jesus as possible. I just want, let's get the gospel out, you know. They, let's just be that. And it may, we may suffer. Here, here the church of Smyrna had suffered for some time. So they were, uh, they were not thought of as anything, this church because of where they lived. And though they were martyred, they still existed. And of all the churches that are listed in this letter, there's nothing wrong with this church. It's because you go through a hard time, you go through times of difficulties. There are times when people say, oh, you don't have faith, or you got sin in your life, or you got something going on. You're like, wait a second. How about just, I'm walking with Christ and doing what he wants me to do. You ever found that there's going to be trouble in that sometimes? People, opposition? You want to be right on and on fire for Jesus? The first battle you have is with yourself because your flesh. The well, second battle you have is with everybody else because the you know the judgmental thing of all of what's going on and this and that. So we have Smyrna here, and Smyrna means myrrh. It's it's you know an ingredient put in uh, anointing oil, perfumes, or uh, you know the things that are used for the purification of women or the gift. It was brought for a gift uh, to the infant Jesus. Or we use an embalming fluid, but it had to be pressed out of a tree in order to be used. The Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus was brought to him before his crucifixion, wine mingled with myrrh. So you think about the city itself. You know, think about, you got to go back 2,000 years and the city existed before that. But think about 2,000 years ago when John was writing this letter. It was a bustling city. It posed to have the safest seaport around, and it had a thriving economy. It was a route from Rome to India and Persia, so it had this trade route, beautiful city. Alexander the Great personally planned this city, and it was called the Ornament of Asia because of the beauty and the splendor that it had. And many Jews had lived there, yet Smyrna was overwhelmingly pagan. Now, the famous street that ran through Smyrna was called the Street of Gold, or the Golden Street. And it had these magnificent temples. So imagine yourself being a believer. You would walk by and be confronted with, out there at all times, the temples to Sybil, to Apollo, to Asclepius, to Aphrodite. 
to uh, the great temple of Zeus, uh, through all these pagan worships. But the real focus began to be the emperor at the time, the emperor of Rome, Domitian, he, uh, from 81 to 96 AD, that he was in charge. He wanted, he was the first one to proclaim that, you know, it used the title Lord. I want you, Domitian, not me, to call him Lord. And that was his claim to fame, if you will. But, you know, you had all of these things of this political rest, this once you made your claim to Domitian and the, the leaders, they didn't really care what you did, but it was still hard because you had all these other gods, all these other temples, all these other things that people ran to when the, once they bowed down and kissed the ring of the leaders. It was interesting. The church wanted nothing to do with that. But in a sense, just like any church of any town, of any place, this church was planted in the middle of that atmosphere for the sake of bringing light to a dark world, right? I mean, it's no different than us. I did. I remember it's eight, been 18 years, and the Lord said, you know, I want you to go to Longview. I said, you know how many churches are up there? Collins County has a lot of churches. I just want you to teach the word. Well, if that's what you want me to do, I'll go. But, you know, I don't want to be in competition with anybody. I just want to teach your word. Wherever it is, I'll just do that. And so you have this time to where, you know, there's, there's troubles. You're going to be faithful. There's going to be troubles. Well, look at the author is what he says. Now, this is something that has come from every uh, point of chapter one. He says, these things says, the first and the last who was dead and who came to life. Again, this is a description found in, in chapter one. You can look there. Verse 17, he said, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I, uh, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And so what Jesus wanted them to know that, yeah, I am the first and the last. And, and these guys were feeling left out. In this city that they were brought up in, they were feeling that, you know what? Nobody really cares for us here. We're just like an outcast which really the church should be that way. We're not going to blend into the world. We're not going to be a part of the world. And so this message that he had for them was really going to grasp them, going through all their trials and all their persecutions and stuff like that. But it was also going to speak to their hearts, even if they were to the place of coming to being martyred, being killed. I'm the first and the last. Jesus was just saying, you know what? I, I, and he knows everything that they've gone through. He's been there. He's, you know, he's not just writing something down. He's been a part of what they've been a part of. And so Jesus knew that there were those who were laying down their lives for his name's sake. He hadn't forgotten. And he, and, and he was telling them that, you know what, he was raised from the dead. And he was reminding them that death wasn't the end. I mean, people think today, uh, you know, I, I, well, I should say I don't know what they think today. Because death isn't the end. There's a place to where we go with Jesus. You go to heaven and you get that. And he's offering that to the world. And I think of people will say, well, where is your God? Why isn't he showing up in all the midst of all the stuff that's going on? No, he's still here. He's still preaching the gospel. He's desiring that none would perish, that it all would come to repentance. See, he wants to spend eternity with every soul that has ever been born. Every, everybody that has ever breathed his air. And sometimes we call it the smog air of L.A. or whatever, San Diego. And still, you breathe that air, he really wants you to come to know him. Your days are going to be shortened. <laughs> but but it, it's the fact that, you know, he wanted these people to know. Persecution. Remember what I've said. I've said this often. That for the church, this world is the worst it ever gets for us. 
It's the worst it ever gets. You think about the things that we go through and the things that, I mean, look at right now, we're going through churches being spotted out. You can't have fellowship. You know, you can't do it. You can't do that. And I'm thinking, what has God said? Let's get back to what the Bible says. But so this church, you know, we're under persecution. We have these, I, I believe even today, they're somewhat being uh, segregated. The church is not being allowed to do what it's called to do, or, or at least being told it shouldn't do what it's called to do. So there's some persecution there. So this world is the worst it ever gets for us. If you want to stand up for the truth, you're going to find out that, uh, you know, trouble may await you. But for the unbeliever, this world is the best it ever gets. If, you, if you're watching online, you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you got to understand something. you got to understand that you need Jesus because there is an eternity. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And Jesus, as we just saying, he's the only way to see the Father. And so we have this time of understanding that he who was dead uh, came to life. What a message. What a message that when we die, we don't die. That when, when we die, we were, uh, the Bible says, Paul says that to be absent from the Lord is to be, uh, to be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from this body, to die is to be present with the Lord. It's wonderful. So listen, Jesus is fully aware in verse 9. He says, I know your works, your tribulations, your poverty, and I know the blasphemes of those who say they are Jews and are not, uh, and, but they are the synagogue of, of Satan. He says, listen, he says, I know your works, and we see this in every church. Jesus knows what's going on. He's telling the pastor that, but he's also to be reading it out because we're to read the, the book of Revelation. So as we read it, he knows every one of your works. And it's not a hierarchy. I don't sit up here thinking, well, I'm better than you. I got more than you. Not at all. I got my own problems. Don't worry about mine. Take care of yours. So you have this thing to where, you know, he says, I know your works. And he knows every one of them. He knows everything about us. And he knows that this church, even under the persecution, that they serve faithfully. And then he said he also knew the tribulation. See, sometimes when we go through hard times, difficult times, because we're Christian, we go through hard times, you think, well, where's God in all this? Why isn't he around me? Why isn't he by me? I need him. He says, I know what you're going through. He says their tribulation, tribulations that they had gone through was pressures or persecution or tribulation or trouble that they experienced while walking with Christ in this fallen, rejected world. It's amazing. So the tribulation that he's referring to isn't the great tribulation. It's the everyday tribulation, the every, everyday troubles that you go through. And it's trials that can come upon us, you know, as we sojourn through this planet called Earth. I've said a lot of those things, a lot of those troubles, a lot of those people, you know, they don't, they don't want to listen to you or they, don't, they, they give you flack for speaking the truth. Listen, I don't post a lot. You guys know that already. I don't post a lot on social media because I don't want to get into an argument. <laughs> and it saves my face. You want to talk to me, come talk to me. But uh, there were some things that I have said, and, I, and I'll probably say again, but I've got to really be careful. So therefore, I just don't post. But they, it causes tribulation. Some, are, some of our troubles are self-implicated, but some of them, when we have to realize, am I in trouble because of something I've done or something I, the, some choice that I've made? That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about people that are standing up for him in these days. And he knows that troubles. He knows those troubles and he's very aware of whatever's going on. So, you know, many in the church have experienced hurtful times. When they came to Christ, speaking of this church, 
uh, in Smyrna, they would come to Christ and they were kind of like signing their life away. Kind of like the believers in the book of Hebrews. They would come together and they would lose their jobs because people would, you know, point them out. Oh, they're that church. They go to church. Oh, they don't believe this. Or they're not down with us, you know, be, believing what we believe. So they're just going to preach all day. I remember going in uh, many years ago to the box plant in Portland where I started working when we moved up here. And they asked me, they knew I was a Christian. Uh, they knew that I was a believer. And then they had asked me, do you have any problem working with, uh, you know, uh, heathen dog sinners? I said, no, I just came out of that world. I can identify. I don't identify with them, but I can pick them out real well. And they, they said, well, we also make beer boxes and blah, 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 blah. So I'm not drinking it. I got to provide for my family. Let's do this. And, and they only made a small percentage of beer boxes, but it was a thing that they wanted to know where I stood. But when it came down to is, uh, you know, when, it, hey, where are you with this Jesus stuff? Are you for real? Are you going to be? Yes, I am. And I got in trouble for it. A couple of times they called me in the office. Listen, no, you, you can't preach the gospel here. I said, well, you hired me and you hired Jesus because he's coming with me. So it's just the way it is. So, you know, many, many will experience these, these times that we go through. And many testify, uh, you know, that many times the road that they're traveling on has been a hard road. But I want to share this with you. Every time and every time you have the, the, the difficult times, the difficulties, I want you to, to, to look and just stop for a second. Because if you're walking with Jesus and you're looking out for him, you're walk, you know, you're trying to do everything he wants you to do, you're, and you feel that you got persecution, troubles are awaiting you from your family or from your friends or from your employees, understand this. The road that you're traveling, you'll see a set of footprints. And they were marked by Jesus. He's been there. And he's right there with you. And he wants you to know that. So no doubt that many have gone through hard times, but we're to look up to Christ. He's with us wherever we go. And he knows everything that we've been through, everything, everything that we're currently going through. I mean, even the church today, when we look at, Lord, what's going on with this stuff? I'm with you. I understand all this. Remember the tribulations that Jesus would say to his disciples. He would say, listen, it's going to be real out there. You see, we always, maybe we, I say we in just a general purpose, but sometimes we think as tribulations as having the coffee, uh, where we go get our coffee, having five cars in line in front of us. It's like, oh no, or the, or if you're living in Longview, Kelso, it's like the lights. That's a real tribulation, the stoplights. There's no doubt about that. I got to get to this meeting. I got to get to this prayer meeting. I got to get, well, all oh, I hit every light. Hey, Lane, what took you so long? Well, I drove through town. But, but really what it is, is Jesus said that there's going to be some real trials. He said in Matthew 5, he said, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Blessed, you're going to be, oh, how happy, right? You think you're happy. Yeah, you're going to be happy. It's all right. He says, and say all kind of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They're going to, you know, listen, this is, it's nothing new. To those who want to be a follower of God, there's going to be persecution out there. And so these believers in Smyrna, because of the tribulation that they were going through, it was because they were willingly following Jesus. Stop there for a second. Think about your friends, maybe even your family, that you know that God has been putting something on your heart to say it to them, but you haven't been saying it. Why? Because you know the fallout. And you're going to say it in love, 
you're going to say it just with compassion and everything that you have, but you're going to say it the way that, you know, Christ wants you to say it in love. I remember this coming to Christ. I remember talking to my family. I remember when my brother got saved and I, he shared with me, I got saved. There was a domino effect, but the uh, people coming to Jesus and our family, but there is also opposition. Oh my. But opposition can't quiet us up. Opposition can't be the thing out there that is keeping us quiet. It needs to be the thing that we're continually going forward is because Jesus knows what we're going through and he's with us. He's fully aware of all of that we're going through. He's fully aware of the things that he sees in our lives. And, and you know, to, to imagine that maybe we shouldn't go through times of persecution, uh, you know, or hard times is not right. It's not, I mean, Jesus would always tell his disciples, he says, you know, you go out into the world, I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. Oh, that's fair. A sheep among wolves? Yeah, I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. But he's just setting the stage of the atmosphere. And again, what Paul said, Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his namesake. Su suffer for his sake. So the things that we go through, understand, we just want to believe in Jesus and the mentality of our flesh. Mine too at times. I mean, I get it. We, what we want to do is we just want to go through life and we want to, go, you know, accept Christ, live a good life, and then go to heaven. Right? I mean, why not? I want to check all those boxes. But in reality, if we're going to be on fire for Jesus and live for Jesus, there's going to be opposition. And the opposition is going to come to us. And when it comes to us, we have to look and we have to remember that he knows everything that we're going through. He's fully aware of it. And then besides this persecution, they were also enduring these times of poverty. Look at verse 9. He says, I know your tribulations and your poverty, but you are rich. You see, according to history, Smyrna being this very prosperous city. It was very wealthy. But even though the city had wealth, it seemed like the Christians were poor. As I mentioned, they didn't have monetary blessing. They didn't have what everybody else had. Maybe they were living, nobody was hiring them. You know, they were living a, a, a point to where people were making, uh, uh, making a point not to, to, to bless them. And the word poverty here is, is used as a word that means hopeless poverty or miserable po poverty. And in other words, they weren't just poor, but we use that term, they were dirt poor. And that's what it refers to in a sense. But it seemed that they were being fair, fairly uh, unfairly treated because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. And so, though they were extremely poor in material things, they were rich in what God had for them. You see, Paul, remember Paul said, I learned to live with and I learned to live without. This is the way it is. James chapter 2 says this, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? I mean, that's where we should be. We should be exercising our faith, growing our faith because we can get through anything. God, God will feed us. He promises that. He'll take care of us. And heirs of the kingdom, uh, which he promised to those who, who love him. So, Listen, it, what we're to be faith in, or excuse me, what we're to be rich in isn't necessarily everything we have here on earth or what they, the, the world has to offer. We have to be careful that we don't live it upside this life upside down. You know, oh, if I had riches, if I had money, if I had all of this, every, everybody else around us or around them, even around us today, might be well off. They might have. But this church didn't seem to have two nickels to rub together. 
And they were in this place of, you know, thinking, well, everybody else has got this and everybody else has got that. Why don't I have this? But Jesus reminds them that their wealth is not in this world, it's in him. Listen, I've got everything for you, he says. And I have to so be reminded of that in my own life. There are things that, you know, oh, Lord, what about this? Oh, Lord, what about that? And he's just, you know what? Your riches are here. Having faith in Jesus and the promise that he has given to us in his word. Isn't that enough? I mean, really, it's like he's given us so much. And these believers, they had everything that they needed to follow after Christ. You see, I think sometimes we get things mixed up and we want to have more out of this world to make us happy. When Christ is there and he, Ephesians 1, 3 says that he has everything in the heavenly blessing, uh, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that we can have. Our bank account is full. Our bank account in heaven is full and we need to call upon him. We see, you know what, Lord, I need you. I, I need some help here. You know, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to live my life faithfully to you. Remember, we have to be careful that we don't change like the weather. Speaking of the weather, isn't that interesting lately? I'm sitting in my office at home. And I have this, these three windows in there. And all of a sudden, it is pouring. It's pouring. I mean, it's like sheets of water coming out. Ten minutes later, it's sunny. I'm like, where am I at, Florida? I said, no, wake me up. I don't want to be in Florida. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, this is crazy, the weather that's changing. I don't, we don't want to be Christians. don't want to be changing like that. We want to stick to what we know, stick to what we do, stick to what God has called us to. And all too often, when we do that, we forget about what we have in Jesus. You know, I, you guys know the story. I don't read ads. I don't read ads because they tell me of something that I don't need that I kind of tend to like and now I figure a way to get them because they're on sale. I, that's why I must need it now. But I, you know what? It's Christ is sufficient. You know, in uh, the Psalmist six, Psalm 16 says in verse 5, Oh Lord, you are my portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. That's, that should be our heart, the heart of the Christian. You know, you don't need everything out there. But what we have that's going to make us wealthy is Christ. We're rich in Christ. We don't have to have the things that are in this world to say, hey, you know what? When people look and say, well, how are you getting through all this stuff? You know, money's not buying you out of the COVID-19. It might give you a test, but it's not buying you out of COVID-19. Money's not going to buy you happiness. I mean, look at all these movie stars, in all honesty, that have a ton of money and they're capping their brains out because they're not happy. They can't find contentment in that. You see, it's Christ. Christ is sufficient. And look at what the world has offered today. I mean, you see what's on TV? I'm, I'm thankful I don't get local news anymore. But, but listen, listen, there's anarchy. There's division. There's struggling economy again, now a pandemic, a political and racial divide, and I believe all fueled by the media, and a religious system that seems to be backbiting and backsliding because it's siding with the, the politicians instead of the Lord Jesus. I mean, you guys have seen the articles that I brought out about those who are in charge of now of Planned Parenthood. They wear a collar. They call themselves a pastor. So I would study the churches. And once again, Jesus views things differently than we do here on earth. I mean, he looks at all, much differently than that of the world. But the question is, how are we looking at things? How are we looking at things going through what we're going through? How are we looking at things, you know, going through this pandemic, looking at life even before, I don't even know what life was like before the pandemic has been so long. But I mean, you know, it's like, 
How, what's normal? What's going to be normal? What are we looking to be normal? And Christ is just saying, you know, Jesus is just saying right here, he says, you know what, they're suffering, but I'm with you the whole time. Look at what else it says about their, their opposition. He says, I know the blasphemy of those. And he says, who say they're Jews and they're not, but, but are uh, from the synagogue of Satan. Now listen, notice right here that I think what's interesting, the synagogue of Satan I never thought of this too much, but when I read this and I remember, you know, the Old Testament has much to say about Satan in the church. And I almost think that he has a church. I mean, if you think about it, because he has his own ministers, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He has his own gospel, Galatians chapter 1. He has his own spirit, 2 Corinthians 11. He has his own kingdom, Ephesians chapter 6. And all these religious institutions including, you know, whether it's they're atheist or they're humanistic or they're in the coexistence or they're in the global warming, whatever it might be, they're, they're not rooted in Christ. And they're guided by Satan as outposts for him. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care if you want to coexist. He doesn't care if you want to believe that the tree is your daddy. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you grow up and you think, well, I can't figure life out. I must be a, a girl or a man or whatever. He doesn't care because he didn't create you. God created you to have fellowship with him. And so the church has been, you know, burned from the very beginning. It's been burdened. And these hostile Jews, they didn't want to change. They wanted to come in and they, they were anti. They didn't want to come to Christ. And they were not only these paganists, these Roman paganists that were out there, but some of the Jews just said, you know what, They're gonna, we're going to bring opposition to these guys to the point to where even some of the Jews in Smyrna were part of a culture that discarded their belief of the Old Testament and said, you know what, we're just going to do what we do. I mean, there's no term to being a church or a synagogue. This is like today, you, you know, just because you have these signs, these billboards, and these stained glass windows, and you open a door and you see some people, doesn't mean they're a church. Doesn't mean they're a church at all. I mean, they're a church, they're gathering, but they're not gathering with Christ as being the head. And how important it is that Jesus Christ is and remains the head of the church. So they had opposition. They had opposition. It happens, it happened here in Smyrna. And it happened in, in, in uh, Christianity today. It's the same thing. Opposition comes in many ways and shapes and forms. Listen, if you and I are going to stand in the truth, and I think of today. I think of today in, in the world that we live in, that we, are, we have to be men and women standing for truth. If we're not going to do it, who is? Are we going to wait for the next person or the next generation? No, no. God has us, you and I, in the world today so that we can be a bright light in this dark world. You and I, he's chosen us. I mean, you know, he could have been uh, an adult in the 50s or an adult in the 40s or 30s or 20s. But he didn't. He's chosen us to be here today. So what's our response? And just like the church in Smyrna, he says in verse 10, he tells them, don't fear. Do not fear. And I want you to fear of those things that you're about to suffer. Indeed, he says, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So number one, he says, don't fear. Remember that 
First Timothy says that, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. <clears throat> right? He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. You're afraid and you have fear coming on, anxiety, it's not from the Lord. But of power, he's given us a spirit of power, it's dunamis, and of love, and of a sound mind. And then he said, remember what Jesus said in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So understand, don't fear. I mean, you look at the pandemic and the fear, the media is pumping fear out into its airwaves. Whether it's radio or TV or whatever it is, fear, fear, fear. The very one that needs to go on trial is the media. So if you feel if you're, you feel full of fear, it's not the Lord. The second thing he says is some, some of them will throw you into prison and be tested. Tested for what? Well, listen, tested to see if you're going to fold? You're going to cry uncle? But how about tested this? Listen, God doesn't need to test us. Did you know that? To know how much you love him. He doesn't put us through tests to let, I don't believe, uh, to, to let us know how much we love him. He already knows how much I love him. It's embarrassing sometimes in my own life. But the test will come so that I will see how much I love him. They're going to show how much am I trusting him. They're going to show me that. And that's why I get embarrassed sometimes. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not following where I should be following. So he says, you know what? Some will throw you into prison. But listen, 1 Peter chapter 1 says in verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice that now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than precious gold, though it is tested by fire, may be found in the praise and honor and uh, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So again, God allows some things in our lives so that we can see who we really are. And we, we might be tested. There's some times that we are tested. And I can imagine what each of our hearts have been revealed, having gone through what we've gone through in the last well, four months. Has it been four months? Six months? I don't know. I've lost track. But I, I know in my own heart some things that I've had to deal with. And then he says, you'll be in tribulation for 10 days. This is um, the meaning of this is more than likely testing that it's going to be a short time. It's not going to be forever. God has set a beginning and the end for every trial that we've ever gone through. And our trials, as bad as they might be, they're just for a moment. And then he says this, though, be faithful unto death. So even if a certain trial was to prolong your, you know, prolong and it might be even unto death. Understand that death doesn't separate that believer with Jesus. Death unites us. And so one day, even if we had to suffer unto death, we're to keep pressing on, we're to keep pressing on because heaven is right around the corner. And, and again, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then he says in verse 11, he calls it off, he says, keep listening. He says, listen, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. See, church, is, church, we're to be encouraged to be faithful by contemplating what awaits us in the end. What are we living for? We have eternal life. Revelation twenty fifteen says, and anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Anyone not found, your name, I'm so thankful that God has correct spelling, spell grammar. Because in the Lamb's book of life, there's a name, and it's A, it's one of the first names up there. Aloysius. 
John Frederick II. I suffered through that name for a long time, but I know that it's in the Lamb's Book of Life. But if your name is not found there, then you've got to come to Christ. That's how you know. He who has a son has a life. He doesn't have the son, does not have the life. It's that simple. So you want to be found in heaven. You've got to come to Christ. Let him put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. So think about, let's just close with some thoughts here. How does this make sense to all of us? You know, when we think about all of these things, listen, persecution shouldn't defeat us. Rather, it should make us stronger. It shouldn't defeat us. It should make us stronger because we're going to continue to trust in the Lord. We're going to continue to seek the Lord. We're going to continue to have faith in him. And there's a refining fire that trials do in every one of our lives, or persecution. If you're going to stand up for Christ and people are going to come against you, there's, there's a, a, a refining fire that works these things out. I remember in some of the deepest, hardest times of my life as a Christian, some of the things that I've had to go through, some of the things that the, the, the hurling of statements against me or whatever, you know, you know, just the accusations, I can remember them doing something in my life. Oh, yeah, they caused a lot of pain, yeah. And yes, there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of hurt, and a lot of sadness. But the thing that I found out that blessed me the most is Jesus was there. He never left me. He never forsake me, forsook me, but he was always there. And that's what you and I can camp on. Listen, the psalmist says this, Psalm 119, two verses I want to pull out of here as we close. He says in Psalm 119, verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I keep your word. I remember this. These, these passages have been so rich in my life because there are times that I'm just thinking, Lord, what have I done? Where am I going? You know, and, the Lord, and, and I remember just walking in, in areas that I probably shouldn't have been walking in. But then I was afflicted, and I remember, you know what? Wait a second. Now I'm keeping your word. Your word is a light into my path. You know, I need to keep your word. I need to be about your word. So sometimes the persecution isn't about, uh, or times of troubles isn't, isn't about to lead us off. The other psalm, uh, it's to lead us closer to the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 71 says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. How many of you guys can say amen to that? Well, it's true. It is good for me that I've been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. Listen, if I got to go through this stuff, Lord, to draw me closer to you, it's all right. I remember sitting in my bed, even the last surgery I had a year ago. Sitting in there for over, well, close to two weeks, I think it was. And I'm sitting there, and I'm the Lord, this is supposed to be a three-day adventure. What's going on here? And I said, well, I just want to speak to you. I didn't think I can get you down any other way. So two weeks, Lord, am I that hard-headed? Yeah, no, no, I won't answer that. But, but you know what it was? And it was like the Lord just sharing with me that, you know what, I, I've got some things I want to talk to you about. And, it, you know, it's about, it took me a passage where Paul says, I've learned to live with and learn to live out. And then this is a new level of living with me in your misery, in your pain, your suffering. And so once again, the pain that led to my dependency upon the Lord, it was so hurtful. But it was so valuable at the same time. And I don't ever want to lose that dependency that closeness to Christ that, that was developed and helped, uh, that helped to be developed by the troubles that I've been in, the trials that I've been in. You see, going back to Smyrna real quick, the city, it means myrrh, an ordinary perfume. In order for it to be used as that anointing oil, 
of the tabernacle had to be crushed and extracted from the hard branches where it resided. Let me ask you, is the Lord trying to extract something in your life? It may be that he needs to crush the hard places in our lives to extract the good from them. And while the Christians of the church of Smyrna were experiencing this, you know, bitterness and, and this suffering, you know, this hard times is coming on them. They were faithful. Uh, their faithful testimony was like this myrrh. It was like a sweet aroma unto the Lord. Hard times, difficult times. But the more that we're squeezed, we're pressed down, but not crushed. That we can look to Jesus and say, you know what, Lord, let me honor you. Let Christ be magnified in me, no matter what I go through. And I believe that this is a picture given to us from those at Smyrna that were a, a crushed church that became a sweet aroma to the Lord. So what kind of fragrance in this day and age? Listen, people are searching for Christ. They're searching for answers, I should say. You and I have them. If you're a believer this morning, you and I have them. We have the answers. But, but here's the thing. What kind of fragrance are we producing? What kind of fragrance are we in, in this world that is hurting and we're being crushed and everybody in the world seems to be not liking what they're going through, but you and I have a, have a perfect opportunity to be dispensing the fragrance of Christ unto life. You see... The way you, you would identify this church if you were shopping for a church is you would say, I don't want anything to do with them. But I mean, in a sense, let me just find a church that's not so lit up for Jesus or not going through the trials. But let me say this. They're going to stay true to his word at any cost. They're going to stay true to the doctrine that is given to them. They're going to stay true to not turning to the right or the left. They're going to stay true to the power of God they're going to stay true to it. And this church might stand alone. They might be the church that doesn't have many other things like big buildings or elaborate designs or technology, but they have Jesus and they know it. And that's all that matters. That's what we need, church. Have Jesus. Jesus. In the midst of all the trials that we may go through, in the midst of all the tribulations, midst of this chaotic world that we're living in, give me Jesus. And this morning, that's what we need to do. If you're watching online or you're gathered here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen, as we depart, when the worship team, all of them come up right now and they can begin to lead uh, in the closing songs, I, we'll be up here for prayer. We'll be in the corners of the sanctuary. Have a few of us be up here for prayer. Don't let the things that we're going through captivate you and, and grind you to, uh, you know, just not having the joy that we have that comes with Jesus. May we be above that and allow Christ to just fill us because the joy of the Lord be our strength and that we would honor the Lord. Say, Lord, even in these last days, no matter what we might go through, may we honor you. This church, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm all right with that. I'm okay with the, you know, the, the challenge. But Lord, help me to be faithful to you at all times. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace.
We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.